Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Everybody. Welcome to the next edition of the Fantasy Baseball Beat. I am Mike Carter, one of the hosts of the Fantasy Baseball Beat, here with my compadre, my brother-in-arms, brother from another mother, if you will, and also brother in baseball futility because both of our teams are full of piles of stink right now. Torres, what's up, man? How are you tonight? Oh man, I'm doing good. Speak for yourself, bro. We just swept the A's, man. Come on. Yeah, we're, we're back. I, I'm already planning for the World Series parade. You know, last week I was down in the dumps, right? I, w- I was pretty mm-hmm. irritable. You know, I yeah. went on my yeah, rant. I would agree with that assessment. Yeah. Right. I mean, first of all, my, my fantasy teams were doing terrible. I told you about that, how my main event team dropped like 200 spots. Well, we're back. Main event team went back up 200 spots. We're, we're back in the money. The Yankees just swept the A's. So, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm ready to talk some more Yankees. With uh, we, got, we got a great guest here, man. We do. We do. I, I will say this, though. Temper your enthusiasm because I think the Batavia Youth Baseball Dodgers that I coach, 11 and 12-year-olds, could probably give the A's a game right now. No, you're absolutely right, man. I, I'll just mess it around. I, I ain't getting too high. <laughs> off of, off of no, I'm kidding you. Jack, Jack Carter's working on a circle change, Torres. I'm just going to say it. You know, we'll see we'll see where it goes. But anyway, well, I won't waste any more time, guys. I know we want to get to the to the main stuff that we got going on here. And we've got a great guest tonight. With us tonight is Mike DiDino. And Mike DiDino works for Talk Radio 77 WABC, which is New York's news and talk station. He is a new beat reporter out on the field there, and he is doing some incredible things. If you're not following him on Twitter, I think you really need to change mm-hmm. that. We were talking about it before we went on here to record, and Mike is really doing some great things with video content and taking some great uh, pictures and video on the field before games and linking that to different things. Mike, how are you tonight? Thanks for being here with us. We appreciate so you coming. Appreciate you guys having me on. Excited to uh, talk shop today. Excited, Exciting stuff. So thank you for having me on, and uh, let's do it. Thanks, Mike, for coming on. Can you tell us a little bit about your work and how you kind of got started in the field? Yeah, so I kind of just, with the radio station, kind of just got, like, my foot in the door. Um, I'm not sure if you guys know Sid Rosenberg. He's, like, kind of their main host over there. He used to do sports sure. for WFAN, which is a sports station over here in New York. So I have always had, like, a little connection with him. I kind of got my foot in the door. I was doing some, like, back-end programming stuff, like an associate producer and then I kind of gradually just worked my way into a sports position, and now I'm covering the Yankees. So I'm loving it. It's only been a month, but I am loving it. It's been a great experience. Can't say enough good things about the Yankees, what they do for their reporters, just like the aura of being on the field. It's been an unbelievable experience. I love it so far. Well, hopefully you don't have any chronic back issues like their big free agent acquisition pitcher. What a mess that is. <laughs> we will talk about that and more tonight. But, Mike, um, Tell us a little bit about, you know, you, we talked a little bit off air before you came on about you being a fantasy baseball player as well. Can you tell us a little bit about how your teams are doing and what kind of leagues you play in? I'm a, I got, I'm a huge fantasy guy. It's my life. Fantasy is my, like, my 101. Big football guy. But for baseball, I usually just do one league, normal 12-man, 5 by 5 rotisserie league. Actually, knock on wood. 
first place right now, so uh, good go. times. But I just got the uh, I just got an update that Tyler Glass now got removed from his rehab start. So pretty pissed about that. Also have Carlos Rodon. So hoping they get back. But I team's looking rock solid so far. No complaints. Oh, that's good to hear. Good for you. I hope you finish in the money there, man. That would be good news. I hope I do too, man. I, I've been doing a lot of. You guys use MLB Savant at all? Oh yeah. I really just kind of got into MLB Savant this year. It is unbelievable. I mean, it, it's a great app. It's literally one of the best sites I've used. It's it just analytics work. It's, it's a reason why everyone uses them. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Keep listening to this show, bro. I'm telling you, like, if, if you're into fantasy, we'll, we'll hook you up with some good knowledge. Let's do it. Well, let but me aren't you guys you're... in last place? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, we're we're doing pretty good. Mike, are you still doing pretty well? Yeah, you know, I it, a little bit of um movement last week, you know. You, you, when you're within that middle glob, you know, that like fifth through eighth place, it changes kind of every day, it seems like, you know, uh, yeah. especially in NFBC. I, I'm what holding my own. Say that again. What what are you what league are you playing? Never NFFC, you said. And the NFBC, it's called the, the National Fantasy Baseball Championship. It's an online league. A lot of the people that listen to our podcast play in that one. Um, there's different uh, leagues to play in. Torres knows more about it than I do. He plays in a little higher stakes than I do. You want to talk about that, Chris? Yeah, yeah. So uh, there are twelve team leagues, fifteen team. There are leagues where you could a draft and hold league where you draft 50 players and that is your team for the year. The only thing you do is you set your lineup, you can't okay, make any gotcha. like free agent pickups. Um, they have higher stakes leagues. So they have like their big league is the main event. Uh, so it's a $1,700 entry and $200,000 to the first place of the overall. So uh, they got a lot of different things, man. I mean, if you start getting into that, you, you might, you gotta be careful because you, you could get hooked pretty easily. But, uh, yeah, we could definitely talk uh, more offline about that. But, yeah, let's talk a little bit more uh, about the Yankees. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so Mike take, uh, Carter, I, I should uh, specify here. <laughs> uh, get us going here. Mike, what are you seeing so far in the Bronx? I mean, I think that they, it's safe to say that they've been a disappointment thus far, other than the sweep of the Moribund Oakland Athletics this past week. What are you seeing there? I mean, do you think that this is a team that can – rebound from where they're at uh, what's the what's your take on it just overall. i do I, I do think they could to me it's like pretty obvious when you look at this team and it's really just they have not been healthy i mean judges missed 10 games stanton's missed 25 games harrison bader's missed 30 games you haven't had enough bat from donaldson severino hasn't pitched carlos rodon hasn't pitched when, you, when you're missing five six integral guys to your team it's, it's going to be difficult to win there's still four. I think they're 20. What are they? 21 and 17 now. 20 and 17 now after the sweep. They've lost three games in the last week or 10 days that they probably should have won. Going back to last week, the uh, Tuesday game, I believe it was against the Guardians. Her mom pinched into the ninth inning. Boone ended up taking them out. They ended up losing that game. Then on mm-hmm. Friday against Tampa, Jake Bowers like misplays the ball in left field. They end up right. losing on that game. And then on Sunday, Garrett Cole is given a six nothing lead. And you lose that game. I mean, if you win those three games, they're ten games over five hundred. They're in second place, and nobody's saying a word. So I, I, I really just think it's been they've lost some tough games, and injuries have really bit them in the ass. I'm not worried. I still think long term, to me, they're still a World Series contender. All right. Well, 
Yeah, as Mike knows, I, I went on a rant last week, and I have my doubts about this team. Um, you know, I know they've been kind of snake bitten by injuries, and uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, the thing is, I feel like they should have been prepared for those injuries, and I don't feel like Brian Cashman put them in a position to weather um, that kind of storm. You know, bringing in they just don't have a lot of depth, in my they opinion, uh, and. You should have foreseen Donaldson, Stanton, like you, Severino. You know these guys are not going to stay healthy the whole year. So, I mean, hopefully they got it out of the way now and they get, you know, we go on a good run of, of health here. But um, I, I just feel like they could have been better prepared uh, for, for some of these injuries up front. But uh, I want to ask you about what's going right so far. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, is obviously Garrett Cole. Aside from what happened on Sunday when he gave up that big lead, uh, I mean, he has been he's been the ace. He's been lights out. Uh, what else in your mind has gone right for this team? One guy that to me is one of the most underrated players in baseball is Anthony Rizzo. Guy is just a winner. He's reached base safely in 32 of 37 games, leads the team in average, leads the team in home runs, leads the team in on base percentage, leads the team on hits. Great defensively. He's a team leader. He, to me, has been an integral part of their success. Mm-hmm. He's a, you know, you in Chicago, you heard about him, didn't get to watch him play that much. But then last year, when the last few years, when he just loved the way he plays, just a great leader, great defensively, all around, just a great player. I think he's also been helped by the shift. To me, he's been probably their best all around hitter thus far. And then the bullpen's been great. Best team ERA. Yeah. Um, Ian Hamilton, he's been a nice surprise. Michael King's pitched well. Marinaccio, Peralta. So the bullpen's been really good. Garrett Cole's been really good. And uh, Anthony Rizzo has been really good. But outside of that, it's, it's been pretty average. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, Mike, one of the interesting players on this team that has gotten a lot of hype, and I, I would say a little bit of helium, uh, but, but I'm in Chicago. I'm not where you guys are at. What's, what are your thoughts on Anthony Volpe so far? I mean, he's, um, he came on really strong in spring training, obviously, and was really probably the big story besides Jordan Walker in spring training. But he, last I checked, he was hitting about 220. He's got a couple of home runs, maybe three home runs, and he's got double-digit steals. What are you seeing from him so far? Is he about what you expected, or do you expect more from him? He's actually down. To, he hit a grand slam today. That was a good sign. Oh, that's him, good. He, he was down to 202 today. He was in a big slump. I think you actually brought a good point. You said he's getting a lot of hype, but it seems to be a little bit of helium, and I do agree with that. He's been good. He's not been exceptional. Has he been bad, though? No, he's been right – kind of in the middle of what you'd want him to be right now. I mean, you got to give him – he's 21 years old. He's yeah. short out for the New York Yankees. That's a lot of pressure. I mean, if you just look at the kid in the face, he looks like a baby. Yes, I think long term, he's going to be a staple for them. He's good defensively. He gets on. He gets good at bats. He steals. He's, he's the full package. It's just how long is he going to take to be able to put that together? Is it going to be this year? There's going to be growing pains. I don't know if he's going to be hitting leadoff once his team gets healthy. They might move him down to that six or seven spot. I think that might be a better spot for him long term. But mm-hmm. overall, grand scheme of things, I think he's a real deal. I just don't know if if you, you know, are you going to get a 275, 20 home runs, 75 ribbies this year? No, you're not going to get that. His numbers might not be great, but I think long term, I, I, I like him. You know, he's going to give you uh, the fantasy juice, right? I mean, he's already got 11 stolen bases. Mm-hmm. He's got a little bit of pop. Um, I mean, if he moves down in the order, obviously that's a hit to his value. But, I mean, even if he's hitting 230, 240, 
uh, I can live with that as long as uh, I'm getting those steals and, mm-hmm. you know, a, a little bit of, of power there. So uh, he's been a little bit of a disappointment. But like you said, Mike, I mean, he's this is a 21 year old. Long right. 21 playing right. in New York, man. Yeah, they love him uh, here, too. Let me tell you something. They love him here. Yeah. Oh, uh, he seems. Yeah, he seems like he's a great fit in that clubhouse. I mean, long term. I'm very encouraged. Like in Dynasty, if I have Anthony Volpe or just as a Yankee fan, like I'm very happy with the early returns so far on him. Um, and like you mentioned earlier, I'm very happy with the the uh, early returns on the bullpen here because that is one thing I, I will give credit to Brian Cashman. You know, he has consistently put together a good bullpen. He always stacks it with high upside arms. We're seeing that again. I mean, guys, I never heard of Ian Hamilton before. He looks fantastic. Ron Marinaccio looks great. Uh, Clay Holmes, I mean, it, it's been shaky, right? I mean, he was the revelation last year, and he was the presumed closer. Hasn't really worked out great so far this year. So I want to ask you, Mike, how do you see this bullpen shaking out? Because that's what fantasy players really want to know. It's like, who's going to get the saves there? Do you think that it's eventually that Michael King is going to start to move more into that, uh, get more save opportunities, or do you think they're going to give Holmes more time to work it out? I think from a fantasy perspective, this bullpen is going to be a pain in the ass. I think yeah. Boone's going to ride the hot hand. Um, Holmes will get his opportunities. If I had to choose one, I think I think Michael King is the closer I want in fantasy yep. um, long term. I could see Ian Hamilton getting some saves. They might use Marinaccio in a save, Peralta in a save here. Mm-hmm. I think Aaron Boone's just going to – listen – I'm very hard on Aaron Boone on Twitter. I don't think he's a great manager. And I love that. I, I love that, by the way. I just want to say, I find that so interesting. Like, you call you you call it how it is. You you yeah. basically speak like a, the, the fans would, you know, about Aaron Boone. And I think that's a little bit different than what I see from most beat writers. Uh, you know, they play it very, very neutral. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right there. You're saying it how it is. But then you also have a video of Aaron Boone right in front of you at the press conference. So, like, that's I, – I, yeah, I give you credit, man. You really put yourself out there. So I uh, just wanted to point that out. I know. I always think about that. I said, one day this guy's going to see my – or this guy went through my Twitter. He would just slap me in the <laughs> face. Because when he's in the when he's in the press, I'm like, oh, yeah, good point, Aaron. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I agree. But – um. <laughs> Listen, I'm in radio, so I kind of just one thing about me. You could you could agree with me, you could disagree with me, but I'm going to give you an educated opinion. And mm. my educated opinion on Boone is that he's a yes man, and he's pretty much just getting told what to do. He's kind of cool with the players. That's why he's there. Players like him. He's a player's coach. And then somebody upstairs, not exactly sure who it is, is kind of telling him exactly what to do. So I think they're going to um, kind of go by closer by committee, play the matchups and um go from there but i think michael king's the guy i want for fantasy hmm. which might be a little bit of a hot take he seems like the guy I, right now i know I think like, from an ownage yeah. i'm on yahoo i think from an ownage per, uh, perception mm-hmm. he is maybe like 25 30 percent owned so you probably could get him in majority of your leagues yeah definitely i think in 12 teamers he's he's pretty readily available um 15 teamers i know on sunday usually in the NFBC we were talking about, that's when they do their big waiver run, and he was a hot commodity. I mean, mm-hmm. out of the people were spending 15% of their budget uh, in leagues that he was available. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's a consensus right now is that he's eventually going to be the guy. But I, I, I do feel like Holmes will get at least a little bit more run, you know? Oh, like, he'll definitely get opportunity. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so if, if he straightens things out a little bit, then it, it could get a little tricky uh, if you're holding on to King. It's going to be a pain in the ass. It's going to be yeah. a pain in the ass. Uh, do you get both of them, and do you want to use both two roster spots on – I don't. I don't love the. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I just. I think it's going to be a closer. But I could see Wandy Peralta getting a save here and there. If Ian mm-hmm. Hamilton continues to pitch well, they'll use him. You still have Loisaga, who's been out. Once he comes back, he could get back in the mix. So it's going to yeah. be a bunch of. There's a bunch of mouths to feed, this especially when you're will, number one bullpen. Yeah, this is what I will say though. Even if you have Michael King, I think, and I'll talk about this in our our fantasy segment later. But I think the landscape has changed so much with starting pitching these days, where everybody's getting blown up. That even in a twelve team league, if you pick up Michael King and he's nabbing you, maybe you know a save here or there, but giving you good ratios and you know getting you strikeouts, that's still I think a, a good play because yeah. I don't want to be starting questionable pitchers right now, you know, in bad matchups and then getting you know they're giving up eight earned runs. So no. I, I'd rather play it safe with with a guy like King. Solid middle relief pitchers are a really, really valuable piece right now in the fantasy game for the exact reason that you just stated, Chris, which is that you got these guys that are getting blown up. You could take a middle reliever that might throw four or five innings in a week and help you more than having a sixth or seventh starter that's just sucky. Yeah. I got to give a quick shout out to my buddy, um, Jason Foley. Not sure if you guys know that name. He is a setup man for the Detroit Tigers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Went to high school with him. That's one of my best friends. We grew up together since kindergarten. Oh, yeah. We've been super close. Sacred Hardy went undrafted. He's been a great story. I'm not so I listen, like you said, I I tell it how it is. He has pitched really well for them. He's one of those middle relievers. Mm-hmm. He's rising up the ranks. So if you're in like a holds league or you're looking for a middle reliever that can put up zeros, keep an eye on him. He's he's no, got he's- two saves this season. He's he's mm-hmm. chucking. He, he's he wants to come on the pod. <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. That would be incredible. Uh, he, he's oh, he the would guy do it too. Be- okay. He's the guy behind Alex Lang right now. Yeah, I actually yeah, drafted sure. him 50th round pick in one of those draft and hold leagues I talked about because I had Alex Lang. I said, I think Foley's the next guy up if anything happened to him. He you know? is. So, uh, and yeah, he's got the two saved. So there you go, man. Thanks for, for uh, sure. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Put a good word in for us. That'd be awesome. I will, man. No, I'll definitely. I'll tell him. Uh, Mike, a question I really wanted to ask you um, is about Brian Cashman, and you know, I know the New York media is the is probably the toughest market in the entire country, right? And mm-hmm. Cashman gets a lot of he gets a lot of flack nationwide, I think, but supposedly, you know, really much more in in New York, but. He's really been criticized this year for not adding depth to this roster. Um, they spent $360 million, obviously, to bring Judge back. They spent another $162 million on Carlos Rodon, who's yet to throw a pitch for them and whose return looks to be up in the air. Do you share that criticism of Cashman and management team in New York? I do. Let me tell you why. If you looked at the Yankees last season, their Achilles heel was pretty much their hitting. They didn't lose that. They didn't get swept by Houston because of pitching. Their hitting just disappeared, and he didn't address the lineup at all heading into the new season. So, if, if that's their Achilles heel again, then he deserves to lose his job because he did not address the team's biggest need, and it's going to be probably going to be the reason again why they struggle. So, I do have criticism of Cashman. I do think he was in a tough position. He mm-hmm. obviously had to pay Judge. That was a consensus after the great year. You had to pay Judge whatever he wanted to pay. And then you really, at that point, it was like, all right, we can get one, what we think is ace-level pitcher, or we can get, you know, 
maybe two middle of the road guys and he, and he went for the home run to get Rodon who's a two-time all-star and when mm-hmm. healthy is one of the best pitchers in the league and it's kind of backfired but he didn't address the lineup at all and and, mm-hmm. and we'll see we'll see if it comes back to bite him yeah yeah I, I I feel like there's a little bit of a well not a little bit I feel that there needs to be a big reset within the organization that's that's my opinion as a fan I just I feel like they need a new voice, a new leader, both as a man, for manager and general manager. Um, so I've been saying that for years, even when they've had some success the past few years. I still feel like, you know, I know they're always in the mix, right? They're, they've mm-hmm. been a playoff team, but I haven't. There hasn't been a recent year where they've gone into the playoffs and I said, you know what, Yankees, I think are the favorite. I, I I think they've got a good shot to win it. I mean, like even last year, I felt they were they were a flawed team, right? Um, they were playing; they didn't even know who their left fielder was, who their closer <laughs> was. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, that that shouldn't be a question heading into the playoffs. So I just feel like it, it's it's time for a change. But uh, you know, I could sit up here all day, and uh, Brian Cashman's <laughs> not listening to me. Maybe he'll listen to you, Mike. I don't know. Maybe you uh, you put out on the radio there. He'll. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, think so- I think you could get a change if it gets ugly this year. You should. Yeah. If, 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 I mean, if they don't make the playoffs, then they have to clean house. And if they lose first round, they have to clean house. I mean, it's like it's yeah. New York Yankees. You're spending all this money and you yeah. haven't won since 2009. And you really haven't had, like you said, a legit shot to win in the last 10 years. There needs to be a change. If it's not this year, you blow it up. I think it's like that easy. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. But Mike, uh, we're we're coming to the end of our time here again. We we thank you so much for coming on. But I wanted to circle back to uh, some of the work that you're doing because I was telling you off air how I really I've been following you for like a week and a half now, and honestly, you've become one of my favorite follows just because you really you put a lot of video content out there, which I don't see a lot of people, a lot of beat writers, a lot of people close to teams uh, doing much of. Like you're going up to players asking them questions and you have everything recorded it's like as a fan it's like you're on the field you know you feel like you're on the field when you're you're watching these videos so i just think it's so cool i wanted to call that out and and have our listeners uh follow you because i think what what you're doing is is innovative and and we're saying like you're part of that new school man like you know how to work Mm -hmm. social media like i don't think a lot of people that are working the beat are, are really up on that so just wanted to uh shout that out for our listeners yeah, I appreciate that, guys. I, I agree. It's kind of like the new school media. I mean, for me, it's like you, I have access to be on Yankee Stadium with these major league baseball players that we all look up to. I'm going to try to get them on video as much as I can. Yeah. And I'm going to try to become friends with them. And I'm going to try to ask them, you know, different type of questions that the typical media is not asking them. Not, not like the generic, oh, how do you feel? So I try to ask them different types right. of questions. I'm, like playful questions too. I, funny enough, my friend Jason Foley I reached out to him. I said, "You think I should ask these guys like generic baseball questions or like what's your Chipotle order, something like that?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "Change it up. Ask him different questions. We get the same questions all the time." So I- I'm trying to go with this new school media look and uh, video content, not the normal dry, you know, what did you think of your performance yesterday? Questions. So that's what I'm going for. Hopefully, it sticks. Yeah, you've been really successful with it thus far. 
It's been really, really fun to watch you on, on the Twitter machine. I know that you were an Instagram guy before you became a Twitter guy. So we're happy that you're on Twitter. We're happy to follow you. Mike, can you let everybody know where they can find your work on Twitter? Yeah, Mike underscore Dino. I just really got on Twitter right when I started covering the Yankees this year. So I've been on for like a month and a half. Love it. Love it. Twitter is my favorite app now. I'm on all day long. I'm going to be super active. Every single game, I'm tweeting out whatever the hell comes to my mind. When I'm at the games, I'm getting as much video content as I have. So I'm going to keep it going throughout the season, and I appreciate the support, guys. That's that's all I can ask for. Well, we really appreciate having you on, Mike, and, and thanks for being on with us and, and talking Yankees. We'd love to have you come back on again later in the summer if you're available to, to do an, an update on them, and hopefully – Things are going better for the Yankees, and hopefully Carlos Rodon, who was one of my favorite players on the White Sox when he was here, will be back at that point. So thanks again for coming on. We will take a quick break, and we will be back with our next guest. Well, we are back here on the Fantasy Baseball Beat, and we have another special guest tonight, somebody that I've been excited to talk to since Chris was able to line him up and come on. We have with us Ben Tidd tonight, and Ben is a great follow on Twitter. If you're not following him, you should really change that immediately. I know I say that when we have guests, but I really feel feel very strongly about this one. He is at BreakingBen underscore T on Twitter, and Ben is with us tonight. Ben, how are you doing? Hey, Mike. Hey, Torres. It's uh, awesome to be on with you guys and excited to talk some fantasy baseball. And uh, like, thanks thanks again for thinking of me. It's, uh, it's always fun to be on a podcast. I don't take them for granted. Well, we've been following you for a long time, and I, I have been on on Twitter, and I, I love the stuff that you post because I always find that the stuff that you put out there to me feels very cerebral. Like I, it gets me to start thinking about other things, and 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 gets me to maybe look at things from a little bit different perspective. And so I really, really appreciate that, and 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 really, I'm glad that you're able to be on with us tonight. Ben, can you talk a little bit about your leagues that you play in? You're a really successful high stakes player. We wanted to have you on to kind of talk a little bit about your experience with that, but also in in talking about the leagues that you're involved in, could you tell us a little bit about what it's like to be at the top of the leaderboard of the main event overall last year? You guys are too kind saying I'm successful. I'm just trying to prove I'm not a one-year wonder. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But uh, so um, if any of the listeners have already heard this before, I'm sorry, I've been on a couple of podcasts, but um, so I started out playing on Yahoo. I still play on Yahoo and, uh, I dipped my toes in the, into NFBC in 2020. I, I did a main event qualifier. And then uh, my first year in the main event was 2021. Um, I played a couple draft champions, which are 15 team draft and holds on NFBC that year also. And then last year um, I came back, even though I didn't do too well in 2021. And uh, I ended up drafting probably the best team I've ever drafted. Um, and that was luckily my main event team. And uh, what if um, you guys followed Zach Waxman, he's been posting last year's leaders um, mm-hmm. compared to how they were in each of the weeks, which is really cool. It's, it's cool to look back and see how things looked. And um, I actually got up there faster than I thought I did. It, it's, it, it was weird. Um, I, I remember I didn't start out too well. And uh, then I started having some, I, I think I had like a six ERA the first, that, that short week or something. I, I kept track of all my stats and uh then I started hearing my name on like Bub and the Bloomer and, or like I would ask him a question and then Ryan's like, Oh yeah. Uh, by the way, Ben's like in fourth overall. And it was just like, wow, that people are actually seeing that. Um, or like, like they, someone knows who I am almost like I've, I've been a listener for all these podcasts for 
a while now and following these guys on Twitter. And now they're actually saying my name and saying, oh, yeah, I'm at the top of the main event standings. And uh, I, it never, like, overwhelmed me, surprisingly, I think. I don't know, because I've been playing fantasy for so long. It's just, like, another day at, at the ballpark almost, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, mm-hmm. A lot more pressure, though. There's definitely pressure. Like, some of the roster decisions are tough when you have all that mo- – I had, to, I had to buy my way in last year. Um, in 2021, I was on a main event qualifier, so I didn't have to pay up that first year, which was nice. Um, but when you have all that money in in the game, it's those decisions on Monday and Friday are they're, they're tough. Oh sure. Yeah. So, but um, I'm definitely more comfortable this year. Um, even though I feel like there's probably more pressure now to re- try to like repeat, which is I mean, I feel like it's impossible to do to finish top three and. There's like three more leagues now or six more leagues compared to last year's uh, field. So it's even tougher now. But um, it was a good experience uh, going on the pot. I was on um, Bench with Bubba once. I was on, my first podcast was with um, Rob DiPietro on the Deadpool mm-hmm. Pull Hitter podcast. That was awesome with uh, Bob Cremitolo who ended up winning. Yeah, and then I've been on FTN since then. So it's like I feel like I'm part of the community now, which is nice because it's, it's a great community to be a part of. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've had a a similar experience. Like it it is cool, man. Like I've been listening to baseball podcasts for years, you know, and I I always I was in the background on Twitter and, you know, just reading articles and stuff and then kind of entering into the community, like putting some stuff out there on my feed and then, you know, playing and then, oh, you know, Torres is stop. You know, I, I didn't get as close as you did, but I did well my first year. And, it, you know, I remember Rob called me out in his podcast and and uh, that was also the first podcast that I went on as well. And it's just like, all right, this is cool. Like, you know, now you're kind of making a name for yourself and uh, becoming part of the community, which I talk about all the time on here. Like that's that's the biggest thing for me is just being part of a, a group of people that really love this game as much as I do. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's, it's a really, it, it's cool. And anybody who's out there who's sitting on the sidelines now and, you know, also has a passion for this game, I always encourage them to, you know, put themselves out there. Uh, you know, cause, cause like you said, Ben, it, it is a great community. So, uh, tell us a little bit about how your, your season is going so far. Yeah, it's been a mixed bag. Um, um, this is the most most leagues I've ever played in. I have eleven total. I have um, nine nine on the NFBC platform, and I have two on Yahoo. The Yahoo ones are going great. Um, first and second in those um, ones, my home league. And then uh, I'm in a couple of um, the Gladiator leagues. I did those. Mm-hmm. I got on a couple of those early on, and those aren't doing too well, which I'm fine with because I mean, I drafted those in December, and I started prepping yet. I was it was like fun to do. I. Yeah, those, those are, are like to get you through the winter, right? Like those yeah. are kind of yeah, just for fun. It like kicked off the draft season essentially. Um, yeah, yeah, yep. Then I'm in the I'm in uh, three draft champions, which are 15 team draft and holds. If anyone's not familiar with those, um, those those are probably actually two of those are my best leagues. I'm in fourth in two of those. Um, near the bottom, the other one, and then I'm in a, I'm in TGFBI, not doing well there. Um, main event qualifier, middle of the pack, have 85 points, so I'm happy with that. And then I'm in two main events this year. Um, one, my, the, the better one's been, it's been a rough road the last couple of weeks. I, if, mm-hmm. if you guys saw my tweet, I, I had probably the worst week you could possibly have pitching wise last week. <laughs> I think I had like a, almost a nine ERA in over 40 innings, no wins, no saves. So that team was 14th overall going into two Saturdays ago. And then I had the Brady Singer start where he got blown up in his second start. Oh, of the yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the snowball from there. Then I had like Ronzi Contreras go. He got blown up. Um, 
Yeah. So I went from 14th to now I'm in like the mid two hundreds and uh, I, I was wow. in first place in that league. Yeah. But that's what happens when it's so early. Like you can, you can be so yeah, happens so drop so easily. Yeah. And the sure. other ones, um, that one's moving up slowly. That one was a little struggle in the other main event, but um, I'm, I'm happy with where I am. Like middle of the pack in early May is fine with me. It's, it's a long season. So yeah, for sure. Absolutely. For sure. Oh, Ben, we um, we like to do a little segment that we've started a couple weeks back uh, called The Week That Was. And in The Week That Was, what we like to ask our guests is to give us one fantasy-related takeaway from the past week. So could you give us one takeaway that you had over the last week other than, you know, pitchers getting blown up, which is <laughs> happening to all of us, I think, in every yeah. format that we play in. What's one fantasy-related takeaway from the past week that you have? Yeah, mine's along those same lines of pitchers getting blown up. It actually saved me from having an even worse week, surprisingly. Um, and that is one thing I've been trying to do this year is just like improve my in-season management um, mm-hmm. in terms of like star sits and tracking my own players. Just try to each year I'm trying to build on a little bit more for what I did the previous season. And one thing I'm really looking at now is um, hitting splits versus different um, handedness for pitchers. So looking at like uh, how. Oh, uh, I usually look at weighted weighted runs created plus um, versus lefties and righties when I'm looking at uh, setting my stars to see who they're facing. Um, and by doing this, I avoided the Braxton Garrett blow up last week on that team that had the, almost a 90 ERA. So it would have been even worse if I started Braxton nope. Garrett. Um, <laughs> I don't think you would have made it uh, today if uh, you had to. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have said, no, you can't go in the pod. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you're out. Yeah, so I've been I've been doing that. And last week, def- and looking at. Um, their splits versus lefties and being like, okay, well, Braxton, like he's been, fu- he's been pretty good. Um, it's a 15 team league. Like he's more valuable there, but he has some like the contact he's getting up is kind of rough and they just destroy lefties. I'm like, well, I'll go with someone who I don't like as much, but uh, hopefully I'll dodge the bullet. And I did luckily. So um, that's, I, th- I thought that was a good, um, good takeaway from last week, even though it's been more of a season long thing, but it really was highlighted mm-hmm. last week for me. For mm-hmm. sure. That's really a helpful tip. Torres, how about you? I always love what you do with this segment. I think it's something that's really important for our listeners to be able to get that knowledge from really good players like you and Ben. What's your takeaway from the last week? So going back to something I, I mentioned during the interview with Mike, uh, we were talking about Michael King, you know, and how if you have Michael King, even in a 12 team league, you may think, I mean, maybe he's not the perfect example, but you know, these middle relievers that give you really good ratios in today's fantasy game, I think they are more and more viable, even in shallower leagues to plug into your starting lineup. Uh, you know, and continuing with this theme of pitchers getting blown up, it's it's a different year. You know, the, the game has totally changed. We're seeing pitchers get 10 runs dropped on them. Um, so if if I have a guy who's kind of like a, a mid-tier starter and let's say he's on the road against a decent team or he's at home against a really good offense, um, I'm going to be looking elsewhere. And I'm going to make sure that I have one, at least one, if not two of these guys, whether it's a Michael King, whether it's a Matt Brash. Uh, you know, I want somebody who's got a really high K upside, too, you know, because, I mean, if they get two appearances during a week and they get two, you know, two to three strikeouts each time. Well, that's equivalent to a lot of starting pitchers, right? Or at least he's like mid-tier guys. So, um, yeah, I think that's something we need to move on quicker as fantasy players this year, especially because I don't think we've even seen the worst of it. 
mm-hmm. with starting pitching. I mean, everybody knows the the weather's going to get warmer. The ball, you know, we never know what's going to happen with the ball in MLB, right? But hypothetically, it's going to be jumping even more. Uh, I think with the way pitcher injuries are going, we're going to see more of those. I mean, it's going to be an absolute mess. So I, I think you're really going to need to be careful with with who you're putting out there. And that's why I'm looking at these elite middle relievers. And I got no problem, even in a 12-team league, uh, plugging them in there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good take. Um, the one thing that I – it's not a takeaway and it's not a hot take at all is that I think the one thing that I've really learned over the last year from being on the podcast and having a lot of really illustrious guests come on and talk about it is I've really worked hard this year to protect my ratios and in protecting my ratios what I really did was I really devalued starting pitching this year and any place where somebody was taking a pitcher I almost always took a hitter in the drafts that I was doing and the reason why I was thinking about that was I really like the idea of loading up on relievers and a couple of leagues that I'm in, I went with a little bit different strategy with acquiring that pitching. I went with closers and guys that look like they might be getting into closing roles with high strikeout potential for that same reason that you were talking about, Chris. I mean, I think that's a really big deal. So I think I really wanted to make sure that I protected that because what I've had is when those things get blown up, they don't ever go back, you know? And so I've really had to be careful this year and looking at that. So that's like, kind of like i guess my half half takeaway you guys both had really good takeaways but that's just kind of my general you know week kind of takeaway for the week um chris looking ahead you know we we talk a little bit about you know hitters that are trending up and pitchers that are trending up who's uh somebody with the bat that you're looking at in the in the next week or so that really looks like they're trending in the right direction to you yeah, so this is a, a segment that I, I want to start doing on a regular basis because I think it could be really helpful for our listeners is to kind of get out ahead of some of these trends by looking at players whose underlying skills are, um, you know, are, are increasing or, or looking better over the past couple of weeks. Um, and I know there's some debate out there about whether there's such thing as like hot streaks and uh, you know, like if you talk to someone who's like super like a, a stat person or analytics, not that I'm not in analytics, but I think some of them would tell you, oh, there's no such thing. Right. Every every event is its own thing. Um, I absolutely do not believe that. I, I think um, I, I'd love to hear you, Ben, what your your thoughts are. But I've had personally a lot of success kind of. Uh, and I know John Legeza, who I want to get on the podcast, has talked a lot about this, about like identifying trends and kind of riding the waves when you see skills turning in a certain direction. I know, Ben, what do you have any thoughts on that before we get into these specific players? Yeah, I've never really done any research into it. But I mean, just from playing baseball my whole life, I, like there's just times you feel better, like you're seeing the ball better. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you look at people's um, like month month splits, like they're going to have good months, and they're going to have bad months. It's just... Mm-hmm just how it goes. So, I mean, I think I've heard people say that like, you can't predict a hot streak or a cold streak, which I mean, which I, I understand, like, you're not going to know when someone's going to start seeing the ball better or like if they get hurt and then like, they, they, like they can't grip the bat well, and then they can't hit for like two weeks. You can't really predict that. But um, I think there, there are periods where hitters are just there and pitchers too. Like they're just hot. Like they're just locked in. Right. Yeah. And you talk to anybody who's actually played the game. Uh, we'll, we'll tell you that uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so yeah, I, I very, and listen again, I've, I've used it a lot. I've been successful with it, so I'm going to keep rolling with it and I'll put it out there. And if, uh, you know, people could, could take it or leave it. But, uh, one guy that I'm looking at, uh, right now who started out 
not not hitting the ball well. You know, a young rookie catcher. We're not surprised uh, that they struggle initially, but Francisco Alvarez uh, is really, I think, starting to turn things around. I mean, if you look at his underlying skills over the past few weeks, we've got a, a max exit velocity of 113.6. Uh, that's elite. Uh, 26.8% uh, O swing, which is also well above average. Uh, he's he's making better contact at 69.2%. He's pulling the ball in the air. Um, you saw, I, I think it was two home runs yesterday or the day before. So I think he's really starting to turn things around. I mean, I think if the Mets just commit to him and, and, and stop messing around with guys like Tomas Nito and, you know, uh, whoever else they're running out there, I, I think it's time to really just let Alvarez be the full-time catcher. He's a good framer as well. Uh, so I, I think if, uh, he's available in your leagues, I, in shallow leagues is uh, the only place where he'd be available. I know he's scooped up in all 15s, but uh, I think he's someone uh, to target because I think we could see him uh, really go on a good streak here. And sticking with the Mets, I'm looking at Brett Beatty as well. And in similar numbers, a 113.7 max EV, 18.9% O swing, which is elite, elite, 48.3% uh, hard hit percentage, according to fan graphs. Still want to see him lift the ball a little bit more. That's always been kind of his bugaboo is is hitting the ball on the ground too much. He's still in that high 40% range. But, I mean, we know that uh, he hits the ball hard. He makes good contact. Uh, he is definitely – he's going to be the third baseman for the Mets for, for the rest of the year. And he was only, if I remember correctly, I think he was only around 45%. Yeah, 45% rostered in Yahoo. So mm -hmm. he's available pick him up because I, I i think he's definitely got some good value there uh hitting you know right now he's hitting fifth in the mets lineup against right handers uh most days so definitely someone to look out for and someone who's been really really disappointing so far is brandon belt uh i i start I, i'm seeing things turn around for him and you know i really i gave you this outline early this morning and look what he did today dude hit a home run uh Brandon Bell, over the past few weeks, 77.3% contact percentage, 19.4% O swing, crushing the ball to 56.6% clip. He's got a seven-game seven game week next week. Uh, I think Brandon Bell, if he's available, definitely worth looking at as a pickup, as a corner infielder. So any thoughts on those guys before we move on to pitchers? Mike? Well, I think you're going to get a lot of people that are going to question your sanity after mentioning Brandon Belt, but um, I no, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, honestly, I think all three of those guys are really uh, valuable pieces that you, you can add, and, and probably in most leagues that our listeners are in, they're going to be able to find those guys. Um, and I, I think Alvarez and Beatty, I'm a little higher on than Belt at this point, but I can see oh, where yeah. you make a good argument for Belt as well. Yeah, I mean, if Belt gets going and hitting in the middle of that Toronto lineup, um, you know, he could he could be in for some really good counting stats and, and really good production there. Uh, ben, do you have any of these guys on your team? Uh, I don't have Alvarez or Beatty anywhere. Um, I do have Brandon Bell on one team. Um, I, I added him a couple weeks ago um, just for some corner infield help. And, uh, yeah, so I'm looking at Toronto's uh, fan graphs page right now, and uh, he's been playing consistently even with um, – Guerrero in the lineup because I know I've heard people saying like he might be filling in for him, but he's DHing regardless of mm -hmm. um, Vlad playing or not. So he's getting that playing time finally. The one thing though with I, just, I was um, Savon Page pulled up and I'm, I was kind of shocked. He is one th 
one percentile in XBA and K percentage right now. So, nice. uh, which is kind of surprising for Bell. I don't think I never really thought of him as like a big K guy. So maybe he's just, maybe he's in a cold streak. Um, yeah. Well, you know the thing with him too is that he's always had health issues, right? Oh. Right. Uh, so it may have been a matter to begin the season. He just wasn't healthy. And now, and you know, sometimes when we see these hot streaks, maybe it just means that the player is at like full health. Right. Yep. Uh, and when they go into cold streaks, there's, there's something, you know, maybe like a, an underlying injury that's, that's bothering them. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a good time. I don't think Brandon Bell is a, a league winner, a guy that you're necessarily going to carry for the whole year, but I think he's someone that could be in for some good production for some good production here in the next few weeks. Um, Want to transition to pitchers and one guy who is uh, a big pickup across main event leagues was uh, Louis Varland. And mm-hmm. this is my dude right now. Like I, I picked him up everywhere and, you know, he was kind of, uh, I don't know, underlooked, I guess, compared to all these other rookie pitchers that have come up between Bibby and Logan Allen Um you know, he, he's kind of like that lower tier, but I think he's got a chance to be close to as good as those guys and at a much cheaper price. Uh, I really like what, what we're seeing from him. He's got a, a 14.3% swinging strike percentage, 31.3% CSW, anything over 30% he's mm-hmm. above average. Uh, he's getting a little unlucky. His BABIP is 379, so his surface stats don't look great. I think his whip is a little elevated, around 140-something. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's just had some some misfortune in terms of batted ball luck. Uh, he's getting chases outside of the zone with 37.9% O-swing his last two starts. The Stuff Plus, which I know everybody's on this year, uh, mm-hmm. has been above average uh, at 102 so for me, he's getting into that territory in 15 teamers. I think I'm rolling him out there like 80 to 90 percent of his starts at this point. I mean, he he pitched yesterday against a good uh, San Diego lineup. I know it was at home, but still, uh, that's a good lineup out there with Tatis back. And he went into the sixth inning. I, I put out a tweet like I'm really encouraged the fact that they let him stay out there for six innings, even though he was navigating some trouble. Shows that the Twins do have some trust in him. Between his performance so far and what he did in the minors, um, I'm really encouraged for him rest of season. What say you guys? Um, yeah, he's someone I missed out on. I was more preoccupied with um, Bybee and Logan Allen. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I remember when he got called up for his first start, um, and I, I think I kind of fell into the thing that happened with Taj Gibson because when Fab rolled around, like we didn't really know that – well, either guy, you know, the different different scenarios. Um, well, kind Todd of Gibson for the Bulls. What was that? <laughs> Todd Gibson for the Bulls, the power forward. That's <laughs> just Todd to Bradley. Yeah, um, it, it's it's late for me. <laughs> How baseball Todd player. Gibson, by the way, when he was on the Bulls, he was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he wasn't. You, you don't want Todd Gibson. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. When Todd Bradley was, um, everyone was thinking, okay, but now Springs is hurt. He's gonna get called up, but he they didn't actually call him up yet. And I think that happened with me and Varlin also. Mm-hmm. Um, People were saying when uh, I think it was Maeda came out of the game that Marlon was probably the um, the next guy to get called up, and everyone was right. I, I just missed the boat. But, yeah, I'm looking at his stats over the last two weeks, some underlying stats, and, yeah, he's been really good. Like he, it's, His swing strike rate is even better, 16.1%. Um, the BABIP is even higher than what you said, 462 in the last two weeks, and the hard hit's pretty high too. So if that luck turns around, um, he could be in for a, a good season. Um, and and the walk rate's a little, been a little high lately, nine point one percent. But um, 
and I, I don't know if that's a, a like a career problem for him, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely a good pickup, I think, especially the way that starters are going right now. So, yeah, yep. All right, so another guy who has been, um, I, I mean, I think this this is an official breakout that we're looking at here is, is Mitch Keller. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pissed that I didn't have that, that. I don't have any of of him this year. I told you. Um, I told you to get him before the season started, Chris. Did you? Oh man! No, I was thinking time I you, you out, man. I, You told me that I was crazy. Did you really? Oh God! I'm such an idiot. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, like, I was, I was all in. Remember, I think it was 2020 when Mitch Keller like first came up, and he had that really small sample, and mm-hmm. like he had a horrible ERA, but he had like amazing underlying numbers. I'm like, this dude, this is the guy to get. I was all in on him that year after, and then he disappointed. He disappointed the year after that, and I'm like, nah, you know. And, and even last year, he took a step forward, but it wasn't. I didn't think I was going to really be missing out on anything that special, and it turns out that I am because I think um, he is really taking that next step forward. And I think it speaks to you see all these videos of him. This is a guy who really is committed to his craft mm-hmm. and trying to get better. You know, you see him at drive line, you see him. I don't know if it was driveline, but he was working with somebody and putting all these videos out of how he was tweaking his arsenal and he got his velo up. uh, And that is really paying dividends. I mean, he is, he's got 32% CSW percentage uh, over the past few weeks here. Uh, I mean, just uh, elite surface numbers and underlying numbers, pitch a complete game shutout the other day. Mm -hmm. Uh, The stuff plus is 104 location plus is 105. Um, I think at this point he's a he's a set and forget it guy, um, especially again with today's starting pitcher landscape. Mike, are, are you on? Obviously, you must be on that page. You, you were on him before the season even started. No, I was I was really willing to give him another chance this year. I, I and you look at that the, the stats that you're you're pointing out there. The thing that I always really am excited by is guys limiting hard contact because I think that's a great way of looking at what a pitcher's doing and. Uh, he's really doing a good job of, of limiting the hard hard hit percentage this year. Strikeout rates up, you know, which is always helpful. I think he had eight strikeouts last time he was out, and the walk rate is way down. You know, I mean, he's he's always been a guy that was in you know ten and a half percent. He had a year where I think in twenty twenty, I think it was like almost twenty percent or maybe twenty one percent, and so he's got that down to about seven percent right now. So I mean, he's he's cruising, and I, I think I I really am in in. In fantasy, I'm always really interested in guys that are tinkering and, and looking at the arsenal. And he's definitely done that. He's he's really been a breath of fresh air this year for Pittsburgh. And you know, I'm just always skeptical of guys like like in, in Pittsburgh. You know, I kind of feel like eh, they don't really know how to develop pitchers. You know, same mm-hmm. thing with Kansas City. We look at these organizations that just haven't had success. Uh, with with developing pitchers, and I kind of write them off. And I, you know, I, this was obviously a mistake. This is a guy who kind of took it into his own hands. It looks like, and, and really uh, worked to to develop his craft here. So definitely regretting that one. Um, you know, I should listen <laughs> to you more often, Mike. Let's. Uh... Well, I I wasn't gonna say that. You know, yeah. I mean, like I, I'll just I, I'll I, it. I think that you're I, – I look up to you as a player. You know that as a fantasy player. I, I think that you're a far better fantasy baseball player than I am. So I really look up to you in that. But I, I remember in the wintertime saying that I was really an Amish Keller, and you were like, eh, I don't know, man. I'm not sure. Know, and um, so – and you know what? I still could be wrong. It's very early on, you know. So I'm not going to – I don't believe in victory laps. I never – I don't. So I, I'm not saying nothing. That's it. 
Yeah, well, you're smart because I see way too many victory laps on Twitter, and it's just like you know, <laughs> I I remember when Dylan Cease, he remember he had that first really good start, and then the uh, yeah, Dylan not, Cease we're people were out that. victory lap in that one. Oh, how can yeah. you you know everybody yeah. doubted Cease, and now well eh, they're quiet, yeah. but yep. you know, and, and I don't care either way. It's just like yo, chill. Like we're still <laughs> it's very early. Like don't yeah. get me started. Yeah. All right. Well, I kind of would like to. I think it'd be good. No, radio, no, but, uh, I can't tonight, man. It's the white. The White Sox are brutal. They got killed again tonight. Oh, okay. <sighs> Let's not. That's for another podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the last guy I wanted to highlight, and this one I'm a little bit more tepid on. I was really in on Louis Varlin, Mitch Keller, really in on, or, or really believe what they're doing. Uh, I just found this interesting. I wanted to point it out. So Matt Boyd was a guy actually I really liked this preseason, and. You know, he looked good. His spring training, his K to walk percentage was fantastic. Uh, and then he really shit the bed, uh, those first couple starts there. And, you know, I think we got to remember he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. I don't think we mm-hmm. should expect him to just hit the ground running necessarily. And I just found it interesting over the past few weeks, he stuck out uh, with a 13.8% swinging strike percentage and a 77.8% Z contact. So that means like in the zone. Um, batters are making contact 77% of the time, which is actually like an elite number. Now, very small sample. I'm not jumping to conclusions. I'm not saying Matt Boyd's an ace, but I just found it interesting uh, that he is, you know, his stuff is dominating in the zone like that. He's getting these swings and misses. And his next two starts, and, you know, I don't think he's anything more than a streamer. And I looked at his schedule, and I think I want to get your guys' opinion. He's at Oakland and at KC. So, Ben, is Matt Boyd someone that you think is worth a pickup and someone you would roll with for those two starts? Who who are the p- matchups he has next week? At uh, So at Oakland next week and then at okay. KC the following. Those seem like good matchups, but there's been they've been blowing up pitchers too. So, I mean, I feel like nobody's safe. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, what yeah. about Boyd? Are, are you Is he someone that you were interested in? And uh, what are your overall thoughts on him? So I just checked my NFBC player page and i have him on one draft champion so i i was interested in matthew boy this year um so i have his last two weeks uh of some of the underlying stats pulled up so he he's not walking anyone he's a 2.8 walk percentage over the last two weeks so that's awesome mm-hmm. um his carry is 23.9 so that's a very good 21.1 k minus walk percentage so that that's awesome his swinging strike rate 15.6 csw 32.2 the only really metric that i have here that i i look at um when i do this stuff is his FIP and XFIP, they're both over four and a half. So mm-hmm. based on those K and walk numbers, that's telling me he's getting up a lot of fly balls. Um, and that's his MO, right? I mean, yeah, he's so, fly ball guy. That's, so it's got to be like one of those proceed with caution type things. But um, yeah, so like, I mean, it's desperate time. So I, I think if you have him in a deeper league, then I would, def- I would definitely consider starting him. I, I probably have to and, and where I have him on that team. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll be riding with him, I guess, the next two weeks. All right. Yeah, um, I don't think uh, if you're playing a 12-teamer, I would not start Matthew Boyd. I don't think he's quite at that level. Someone to monitor, but uh, in a 15-teamer, I'm probably rolling with him um, in those next two starts. So, Yeah, he's um, one of those guys that will have those hot streaks that we were talking about before. Like He'll have those stretches where he's striking guys out, and and he'll be really useful. Yeah. 
So speaking of hot streaks, I want to highlight just a few interesting team trends. And one of them that jumps out is, you know, I was just sometimes I'll just go, uh, you know, look at leaderboards on fan graphs because I have no life and uh, just kind of like pick out interesting, you know, things that just I wouldn't expect. And uh, it jumped out to me that the Diamondbacks over the past two weeks um, have the second best WRC plus. Uh, so I, I just I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I follow things pretty closely, but. Uh, I knew they were decent, but but not that good. So I just wanted to put that out there. If, if you're streaming pitchers, uh, proceed with caution if, if you're throwing them against Arizona. Um, by the way, Ben, Jake McCarthy got dropped in my main event league. I mean, how how high should I go for him? Because I, I need steals, and I feel like I, they're not going to keep him down in minor in AAA that long, right? Yeah, they. I, well, I mean, if they're hitting this well, they they, they probably don't have Maybe to they don't have that the need. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So I haven't looked into him. I don't think he was available in either of my two main events. But um, if was he out there already for a week, or did he just get dropped? No, no, he just got dropped this week. I see. If it was me, and if I really needed steals, maybe like in the forty dollar range to like four percent, maybe. Okay. Yeah, that's, if I had that's guess. I'm not. I'm not Vlad Sedler, but I mean, yeah, um, <laughs> that's probably what I would try for. <laughs> okay, all right, a little selfish question well, for me there. Thanks. Um, <laughs> you know what's funny about that though is that they really seem like they're giving Fletcher a little bit of a chance right now, which yeah. I was a little bit surprised by. Yeah, I'm and looking at their line numbers. Resource, and he, mm-hmm. he's he's a lefty. He's bad. He's started against the last three lefties. Which mm-hmm. is Interesting. Surprising for someone that young. I mean, they must really like him. Yeah. Yeah, so uh but I, I think McCarthy is definitely someone to keep an eye on if uh if, if you need steals. So I'll 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 probably put in a, a pretty healthy bid there. But uh a, a few other things before we move on. Another team that jumped out, Houston. They have been dead last in WRC plus over the past two weeks. Fifty-five. I mean, this was an offense going into the year. Like we put what, Mike, top five? You know, like we never wanted to throw pitchers against Houston. And I mean, that team has just been a mess. Jose Abreu has been a disaster. Bregman, disaster. Uh, so uh, let me pa- let me pause you right there. Because I know Abreu. I just said I don't do victory laps. Uh-huh. I'm not going to do a victory lap. But I also was telling you that Jose Abreu was not going to ever hit 20 home runs again. I still could be proven wrong. But I feel what good. I saw last year, the way that he sold out, he was hitting the ball hard, but he was hitting it on the ground. That's when he was hitting a lot of ground balls of shortstop last year for the White Sox. I don't think he's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we may have reached a point in overturn with him. You know, it's uh, get, he's getting older and, and maybe this is it. I mean, I, I was excited for him. I didn't get too much of him this year, but I was excited just hitting the middle of that lineup. But uh, it, it's it's looking like a mess over there. And last thing, just uh, circling back to our Yankees conversation or um, uh, talking about the A's, their bullpen has been awful, so awful mm-hmm. that the Yankees have just decimated them <laughs> over the past three days. I mean, we know the Yankees lineup ain't great, and, and they are just going to town. A 5.57 Sierra over the past oh two God. weeks. I mean, that is like almost a full run higher than any other bullpen. It is a disaster. So any hitters, like if, if you're looking ahead and, and you're looking to stream hitters, Anytime you got somebody going up three games against Oakland, I mean they're they're an auto start. I mean because they're, uh, you know that is just like that's like getting free money. So, uh, oh 
Yeah, it's it is ugly. But anyway, speaking of bullpens, uh, Mike, you are our bullpen guy. So tell us a little bit about two uh, interesting relievers and or bullpens that we should be monitoring right now. So one that I'm watching right now that just happened today was that uh, Philadelphia moved Jose Alvarado to the IL with left elbow inflammation. Uh oh, uh, that doesn't sound too promising, right? So. Um, before the season started, I had kind of, not kind of, but I had talked about Craig Kimbrell really doesn't really have another role in that bullpen if he's not closing, right? And he's had some opportunities. And my guess here is that with Alvarado going to the IL, that Kimbrell will get the lion's share of the save chances. What does that mean? Six out of 10, seven out of 10, maybe. Matt Strom is another guy here that could get some uh, higher leverage work. Also with Gregory Soto and Sir Anthony Dominguez there as well. So this will be one to watch, I think, over the next few days to see how they utilize their bullpen. Rob Thompson is very well known in the year plus that he's been managing for playing the hot hand and looking at matchups. So if you're going to look to replace Alvarado, I would look at Kimbrell here probably number one and and take a look at that and, and, and see if he's available in your league. I'm guessing that he probably will be in most leagues. The other bullpen, and not to sound like a homer here because I'm really down on my beloved White Sox, uh, is the is the White Sox bullpen. Kendall Graveman got a save last night, but the bullpen has been beyond putrid. Um, Ronaldo Lopez was, was getting the first shot at being the closer, but he got home run happy and really slots better into a non-closing role. I know I said that before the season started, and a lot of people asked me on Twitter and thought that I was wrong, and they're entitled to their opinion. I, I totally understand that. He does have the stuff to be able to close, but he's not comfortable in the role, never has been. Uh, he's better suited in that middle inning role. Last night, Lopez got the eighth and was clean. Graveman pitched the ninth, and they got through it and, and beat the Kansas City Royals. Pedro Grafal. Um, really looks like maybe he's trying to figure out some different things with the bullpen. Now it's only 30 some games in, I wish he would have tried to do this maybe a month ago, but um, it looks like Liam Hendricks is going to be back potentially next weekend. Um, He's been on a rehab assignment. It looks like from what they're saying that he could have an activation a week from tonight and be ready for the weekend series next weekend which would be just phenomenal. I mean, what a what a bull this guy is, right? I mean, to have been diagnosed with the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in January and had been told that he probably pitched with it last year. He was probably sick and didn't know it. Um, he beat cancer. He's back. It's an inspirational story. He's down in AAA, getting himself back together. It looks like he's going to be back next weekend. If he is available in your leagues, I would get him because the White Sox truly have no other options, and Hendricks has historically been one of the better closers in the game. Grab him if you can. I got him in Glarf, and I think I also got him in my TGFBI a couple weeks back. I stashed him on my bench because I know that I'm going to need those saves down the road. The Sox are terrible, but Grave, uh, Graveman will go back into an eighth-inning role, and Hendricks will be back as closer. So in summary, Kimbrell, if you're looking for saves for the Phillies right off the bat now, Hendricks will be back in probably a week or so. Get him and stash him if you can get him right now. All right. Uh, yeah. I, ben, any any bullpen advice? Um, anybody that, that you're looking at potentially to pick up this weekend in any of your uh, your fab leagues? Yeah, I unfortunately had Alvarado on four teams, um, four of my 11 teams. Um, so the, 
the two two Yahoo leagues I have him, and those are daily transactions. So I already the one league I had Pierce Johnson available, I added him already. Um, he was out there, um, and then someone that um, is in the Phillies bullpen that I saw um, the Guilds, um, Anthony uh, Geller, I think his last name is. Um, he mentioned or called out Sir Anthony Dominguez. He's been really pitching well as of late. So um, mm-hmm. maybe if Kimbrel's taken and you need a replacement for uh, Alvarado, maybe uh, see if Sir Anthony's available because um, he could very well have split it with Kimbrel um, or be part of that pie that Mike was alluding to before. So absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to move on from that. We talked a little bit about bullpens. We like to also talk, Ben, on our podcast uh, about recommendations that you have on a fantasy-related podcast or article or piece of information or content that you saw that you found interesting or helpful over the past week. So um, this is something that I'm sure most people are aware of already just because it's so useful in spring training. Um, But I was always a fan of Mike Curlin's um, lineup tracker. Mm-hmm. And so when they moved it to the Patreon on uh, gaining the edge on um, that, he Bubba and uh, I think Jorge does it. And also Michael Simeone, um, I decided, well, this is invaluable last year. So I signed up for that. And I, and then once the season started, I'm like, well, I'll see what, the, what those guys are doing. And uh, for $5 a month, it's the lowest tier, but they still put out enough information. I think where um, it's useful. I know it feels like the Patreon's all the rage now and some people c- can't really afford it um, in certain si- situations, but if you can, I think that's one of the ones I'd prioritize. Um, it's a, uh, they have um, bullpen notes every day, which mm-hmm. I don't want to step on Mike's toes, but not um, at all. <laughs> Great. Yeah, so those are helpful. Um, I mean, you can never listen to too many people. I think sometimes certain things um, um, Mike does uh, streamers and uh, Bubba does DFS content. And then Mike kind of does a savant analysis and lineup lineup still there, even for the $5 tier. So I think it's a good, good tool to look into if you need some uh, extra content. Yeah, those guys are wonderful. They're great at what they do, and they're even better humans. So absolutely support that. Chris, how about you? What's what's something you've been looking at this last week? So the other day I was listening to uh, John Legeza's, um YouTube stream. It's called Call to the Pen. And listen, I'm not really uh, a sports better. Um, so, you know, and I know that uh, that way it's also a podcast uh, it focuses more on daily sports bet or baseball betting and that's kind of why I never really like um, I guess gave it a fair shot and I just want to call this out because I, I feel like I'm probably not the only like fantasy exclusive player that probably feels the same way like if you're not betting baseball every day you're probably like meh you know not really my thing but uh, I listened to it, and I just got to say, it was absolutely fantastic. And for anybody who just wants good baseball information, and I think all of this information could be applied to fantasy, go check out John's show. I mean, he really goes deep into, you know, you were talking about splits before, Ben. I mean, he goes deep into team splits, pitcher splits, and he's looking at every game, and almost every day. I think the only day he doesn't do it is on Sundays. Um, and he really, I mean, he's entertaining. Number one, he's just a, a, a fun guy to listen to yeah. uh, another New York guy. And, um, you know, just, just seems like a cool dude, but uh, his, the information he puts out there is very, very applicable to fantasy. And I feel like just after listening to the episode the other day, like, I just feel like 
like I have a better grasp on things. Um, so yeah, definitely go check them out on YouTube. I believe it's it's also a podcast uh, called Call to the Pen. So yeah, that's my my recommendation for the week. I will I will double down on that just because of the fact that um, I've been following him for a while on on Twitter and I've tried to get him to follow me, but he won't follow me. So I'm 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 calling him out. I want John to follow me on Twitter because I think what he does is brilliant. Uh, great shout out. And and mine for for this week is is a more of a personal one. When I was down in Arizona for first pitch, by the way, if you've never been to first pitch Arizona. I, I'm plugging for for the baseball HQ guys. That not only are they great people, but it's an amazing event. If you get a chance to go down there, um, it's an amazing weekend away from people in your family <laughs> for in the middle of November, right before the holiday season kicks in. And I loved it. I love my family. Don't get me wrong, but it was wonderful. While I was down there this past winter, I got to meet Joe Arico, and um, I've been on his podcast a number of times. The Fantasy MLB Today. He's can be found at oh at Joe Orico ninety nine. Um, he calls me Grandpa because I'm old enough to be his dad for sure, no doubt about it. Uh, but he's an excellent guy. He works hard. He does a daily pod. He just celebrated his three hundredth episode this past week and had Vlad Sedler on and Ryan Bloomfield, who are also two of the greatest people that I've met in the industry. I met them both at uh, the HQ stuff down in Arizona. But Joe's done a phenomenal job. He really kind of started you know, fresh right off in, in last year. I think I was one of the first guests on one of his first pods. He's come so far. He does great work. Uh, if you get a chance to follow him and interact with him, please do. He's a great guy. Um, north of the border, great, great Canadian guy. And uh, was really great to meet him in Arizona. Hope to see him again soon. Had some good times down there with him. So check out his podcast if you haven't done so yet either. Absolutely. Um. Well, I guess that takes us kind of here to the end. Um, ben, it's been great having you on. You know, we're huge fans of what you do. Um, you're a great follow on Twitter. Like I said, you, the stuff that you put out is really cerebral to me. It may, really makes me think about the game that we love at a different level. When we end our shows, Ben, one of the things that we talk about, we call it our mental health minute. And we like to ask our guests, what the, what's something that they're doing for themselves over the course of the last week or last couple of weeks that they're doing to maintain their their physical and or emotional wellness? We know that springtime can be a really hard time for people. We know that as men, and we, we have all kinds of guests on, we have female guests on as well. Mental health is hard for everybody, but we know for guys that a lot of times we just don't talk about it. So we wanted to make that be a part of what we do. I'm a special ed teacher by trade. Torres is a therapist by trade. What's something that you do for yourself to keep yourself mentally and physically well? Well, for fantasy baseball, I turn my phone off um, when it goes bad. But uh, yeah. one thing no um, that's true, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, hide your phone for a while if it's a bad night. Um, yeah, but one thing that I've heard people mention before, and I, I – yeah, because, like, I'm not – everything you said about, like, being difficult to talk, talk about mental health is definitely – not that it's difficult for me, but it's, I never really talk about it with anyone. Sure. So I, I see, I know where you're coming from saying that and it's true. Um, but one thing that I think is always true is if you're feeling probably down or anything, just think of what you're thankful for. Um, I think that can really help put things in perspective. Um, like I've always heard like my mom or whoever else say that there's always somebody probably off worse than you are. And um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, even if times are tough or things are bad, then just, 
I'm sure there's something that you can think of and you'd be thankful for, whether it's family, your health, um, your job. Um, just try to do that. I think and it'll, it'll help you out. Oh, that's great. That's great input there, Ben. Thanks for sharing that. I know that it can be a really difficult thing to talk about, and I think you're spot on. There's always something to be grateful for. Torres, I'm throwing the ball to you. What are you doing this week to take care of yourself? All right, so I'm going a little outside of the box. I mean, normally, you know, we 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 get, you know, like uh, more, I don't know, like really deep with these, but I'm just going with something pretty practical here and, and something that it's not going to be applicable for everybody, but I know Iverson's COVID, obviously remote remote work is is much more common. And, and I work mm-hmm. from home. Um, and, you know, one thing that is really, uh, that I don't enjoy about working from home. I mean, there's a few things. One is, you know, the social, essentially isolation of of just being home, uh, five days a week. Uh, I, I'm not the most extroverted person, but I need something, right? So that's, that's been a challenge to navigate. So, um, but the other thing is, and I know a lot of companies do this now is the idea of being like tracked or monitored and this is like a big thing like mm-hmm. i didn't know this when i signed up for this job uh that i worked for i've been there about two years and apparently on your computers they have this like software running in the background that that tracks you the amount that your mouse moves per day to see if you're actually working which to me i mean i, I get it to a certain extent but it just feels gross man like i i don't like that feeling of like you know being monitored i got i feel like i got to be chained to to my computer and this has always been a a, a back and forth between me and my boss because like i do my work i do what i got to do but like if i do my work leave me the hell alone after that like i don't want to be you know like just don't be bothering me but um you know so we've been going back and forth and what i decided to do is i went on amazon and (laughs) i was looking for some some way to get around this and if, if you work from home i strongly suggest this they have these things that just move your mouse um that like make it appear that you're working you gotta be kidding me i swear to god man you put in amazon you put like mouse mover into amazon and like you get a, a bunch of different uh you know uh options and i bought it was 20 bucks and it's great you just put your mouse on it and just moves your you know moves the thing around and it just should, like your computer will never lock and it looks like you're working and listen again i do my job but now I, I feel it's like a it's like the chains have been taken off. It's like the shackles have been cha- taken off. Just knowing like I don't have somebody like I it, they're not going to bother me about this anymore. I can do you know, I, I got a lot to do, man. I got DFS lineups to set. I got podcasts to get ready for, you know, important stuff. So, you know, it's uh, I mean, I say kind of jokingly, but for anybody who's working remotely, um, I think that's like uh, for me, it's made a big difference. It's actually helped my mental health. So so that's mine for this week. You're the only person I know that would buy this type of thing. Like, <laughs> it sounds so silly, right? Work, they would use their work computer to search up mouse mover. No, 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 no. Yeah. I did it on my, my personal computer. Okay. I, wasn't, I wasn't that dumb. All right, come on. I know they're looking at my search history, too. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying that's funny though, man. That's awesome. Well, good for you. I know we talked about that last week and it was something that kind of had you down. So I'm glad that you found a temporary solution to that. Mine is really this week, uh, a, a saying that I found that has really stuck with me over the last couple of weeks, which is um, about life really kind of humbling you, you know, uh, as you move through things and, 
as things happen. I'm a school principal by trade at a special ed school, and we're getting ready for graduation next week. And we've got eight kids uh, from our from our group that are graduating, and uh, many of them are kids that I've known for all four years that they've been in high school. And so they've been very emotional and thankful and coming to me and and issuing thanks and saying, hey, thanks for sticking with me through this. And thanks for getting this piece of advice. And I found it really humbling because I don't I just kind of think that what I do is just it's kind of fun. I just kind of enjoy it, you know, and I, I kind of came to this conclusion over the course of the last few days that as you get older, that the goal that I've really been striving for is to make things be more simple that simplicity becomes the goal and that I'm not looking for complicated things. I'm not looking for a lot of money. I'm not looking for fame. I don't have any preconceived ideas about being at the top of the podcast game or anything like that. I I have fun doing it. I do it with my friend Torres. I really enjoy doing it. But for me, what it really comes down to is, is finding those value in the little things, you know? And so those moments at night where, you know, my son Jack is 12, he's become baseball obsessed, which is great, but we like to read together at night. Like, as fa- in fact, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go sit down and read with him for a half an hour before we go to bed. And he likes to sit close to me, kind of likes to get a hug. He's kind of a big teddy bear, you know, and we will read our books together. We'll have the game on in the background last night. <laughs> Tonight we turned it off, you know, because the socks are brutal. Um, it's those little moments like that that I really take a lot of value in, you know, like there's going to come a point in time pretty soon where he's not going to need me for any of that stuff, or he's not going to want to display that type of human emotion with his old man. And I'm taking it as much as I can get it now, because I know that that, those times are fleeting, you know, you guys with little kids, that time goes fast. You know, the, the time that they fit in the crook of your arm goes very quickly. And all of a sudden they're back talking 12 year olds and 16 year olds who are studying AP European history and getting ready for AP exams, you know, like, so just enjoy it, my friends, everybody that's out there, you know, it's May, it feels like it's finally spring here in the Midwest, enjoy yourself, but really make sure you take stock and value those little moments, those little things that we think are, we take for granted, because those little things do end up kind of becoming the big things that you remember. So with that, I will stop my rant. I know I love to talk about mental health stuff. I know Chris does too. Ben, I want to give you a final opportunity to to tell people where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find the things that you're doing, and any last words for our audience. Yeah, thanks again, guys, for thinking of me to have me on. It, it was great talking to you guys. Um, too many kind words, Mike. Thank you for all those. Um, yeah, so Mike said he mentioned my handle, Breaking Ben underscore T. I am not an analyst or writer or anything. I just play fancy baseball, have fun, and I try to tweet more about it now that people follow me. <laughs> are there any so, can i ask you are there do you have any um you know plans to either write or podcast in the future or are you just content right now being a player i'm content right now i don't want it to feel like a job you yeah. know mm-hmm. so to speak i mean i do enjoy podcasting every once in a while um but I don't, I, how it is right now I, I like it for right now i've thought about like if i've seen someone um post like a job posting for something i've considered mm-hmm. it before but um like for a writer or analyst but for now, I'm good. Um, yeah. I, have a, I stay pretty busy as it is, and uh, I don't want to get mad at this hobby that I love. So, <laughs> For sure. Good yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was actually there was discussion I saw on Twitter today and kind of kicked off. Uh, Vlad Sedler was talking about, you know, how it's when you are a content producer and managing a bunch of teams and your teams aren't doing well. 
like that that can be really tough that could take a, a mental toll you know and i think i, mm-hmm. I saw eric uh, Samolski commented on that and you know i i, I think that is it's <laughs> it's a lot of work you know when you're writing when you're producing content i mean that's that's a grind you know and i i, I think uh, you know, for anybody who's who's out there doing that, I think it's it's just so important to you got to set limits where you can. Right. And, you know, put it in perspective. And some of the things we talked about today, gratitude and, you know, um, just uh, appreciating little things, I, I, I think, are important and, and realizing we're playing a game, you know, and we're all I, I think a lot of us are competitive and, you know, there's this desire to, you know, to, to be successful in this game. But that's all it is. It, it's a game. And the most important thing, I think, you know, it's cliche, the friends you made along the way. But I, I think mm-hmm. there, there's, you know, the fact that we are all going back to this idea of community, the fact that we are in this community of people who enjoy this and that we make all these connections. I think that's that's the most value, uh, except if you're filled with soul and winning, you know. Five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> then it's a whole different ball game. That's probably more valuable. But that could be a little more valuable. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I always think about is I, I always try to see if I can figure out if someone is like a full time analyst. And I feel like most of the time, most of you guys are, aren't. Like it's just a hobby. Like you it's like nearly have your full time jobs, yeah. and yeah. So, so like someone like Mike. I'll make mention Curlin again. I've been talk, DM, DMing him a lot lately on Twitter been talking about our teams and stuff. Um, it's his first year in the main event, but like he puts out so much content. I don't mm-hmm. like if he, if he has a full-time job, I don't know how he does it. Um, yeah. Some like, like even with Vlad Seller, I, I can't tell if it's full-time for him or not. Like it seems like it almost is I, like his co-host, Matty Wood. I think he has a real, real job too, but like you, you almost don't realize it when you listen to these guys and right. you see them tweeting and if they're, they're writing too. And uh so and also like even the full time guys like they I see them taking heat for like telling someone saying like someone's a drop but like in the end it's your team like these guys have lives families mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and like to your point like maybe fantasy's not going going well for them this year and so I don't know yeah. we're all people and it's this it's supposed to be for fun like, absolutely yeah. I think I think what everybody did Ben was by the mouse mover like Torres did they're just no I I was gonna say that's <laughs> I couldn't do I couldn't do this podcast if I didn't have the job that I have if I didn't work from home mm-hmm. like there's, there's just no way uh, and man you know and have fantasy so I, I guess everybody's got to have some type of you know not that they're doing the same thing and buying mouse movers but you know uh, <laughs> some flexibility with work right? because it's just too much yeah uh, but uh yeah, that's uh, I guess that's a discussion for another day. But I'll, I'll hand it over to Mike to to land this plane here. For sure, guys. Well, thanks again for joining us tonight. And for those of you that have been listening to this episode of the Fantasy Baseball Beat, we'll sign off here. Ben Tid, again, thank you for your time. Torres, as always, the host with the most. Let me do some of the hosting tonight. I had a great time doing it. We hope that you found something useful and helpful in our podcast this evening. And we will be back next week with another special guest. I'm not going to say who it is because uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be special. And we will talk to you again here next week. Again, DMs are always open, not only for fantasy baseball content, but also if you need any help talking to somebody about mental health or looking for any types of resources in that regard. Until then, I'm Mike Carter for the Fantasy Baseball Beat, signing off for Torres and for Ben. Thanks again for joining us, Ben. Shout out to Carlos Marcano, our brother down in Central America, Mm -hmm. we're hoping that he's doing well, and we hope to talk to you soon. Thank you all. Peace.